0: Amen. Where I come from, this, it sounds like we're having church up in here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm just so grateful for the choir for Jess and leading us through that song. That was that was one of my mom's favorite. and I just could imagine that she's rejoicing in heaven right now. So thank you so much. That was so special for me. Uh, good morning. Well, indeed, what a special day it is. Uh, as we gather on on this special day, my, I first want to extend just special thoughts to all of the mothers and grandmothers and aunts and sisters and ladies in general this morning, that there's no doubt, no doubt, that God has given us mothers to remind us of his special love for us. It's just not anything like a mom. And when I say motherhood and talk about moms, you know, it's not just limited Uh, to ladies who have born children physically. Any lady who's taken the opportunity to nurture another person does so out of a God-given nature that is just unique to women. And so as I pondered the message this morning, I just uh, had to keep in mind, I'm going to make a confession here, just had to keep in mind that as a man, I need to be mindful of my inherent limitations when it comes to understanding women. <laughs> okay? I admit it. But but being the wise man that I am, <laughs> I decided to reach out to my wife Terry to gain some helpful insight. And as I, as I thought about that, I recall that at one time, Terry had given me this special gift. It was a wonderful reference manual that she knew would help steer me in the right direction when it came and when it comes to understanding women. In fact, this particular guide, I've got a picture up there. It's Everything Men Know About Women by the famous Dr. Alan Francis. This is a runaway bestseller, okay? And in fact, I'm sure most of you guys have one. If you don't, men, you need to leave here, go to the f- nearest bookstore, and get you a copy. All right, now, I know you all wanted to know, what does Dr. Francis have to say about what men know about women? So when you open the book up, here's what you see. <laughs> all right, okay. All right. <laughs> now look, that, that's a very revealing statement about the complexity of God's design for a key member of the family structure. Men, let's just face it. God has provided a wonderful creation in women, but it's only he that understands the full depth of how special they are. Now that's something I fully understand. And so when I thought about this sermon and... What I had to say to God's people this morning, obviously we turned to God's word. And so as, as, as the Spirit spoke with me, he pulled out one woman in particular that I want to speak to that gives us several unique insights into God's wonderful design for motherhood. Mary is the lady that we're going to look at this morning. And we're going to talk specifically about the role that she played as the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No doubt, without a doubt, Mary is a central figure in God's plan of salvation for lost sinners. But it's interesting to note, as critical a person as Mary is, there's very little written about her in the Bible. But what is written, what is written is extremely important and very insightful. For me, Mary epitomizes the very concept of a person who has fully embraced God's design for her life. And in doing so, Mary rise, raises the bar of motherhood to the highest level possible. In doing so, Mary establishes the gold standard for a life of submitted service to God. Now, I know that submission is one of those bad words today, Right? And that's truly unfortunate because that attitude just reflects again how our society is moving away from God's design for his creation. Mary's story of real-life submission really demonstrates the profound impact a godly woman not only has on her family, but on society as a whole. And I'm just so thankful that here at West Park Baptist Church, and I said unashamedly that we are blessed with ladies who thrive in holding in high esteem God's design for women. Our ladies don't take a back seat to anyone in demonstrating the powerful impact a godly woman could have. They are exemplary in this regard. And our leaders, our ladies are strong leaders. They are dedicated workers who provide critical insight and guidance. And we are blessed to have them as part of our West Park family. And may God continue to bless them as they render service in his name. Now, the aspect of Mary's story that I want to focus on starts in Luke's gospel. And I ask you to turn to chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 15. Now, for those of you that are using the Pew Bibles, please turn to page 857. Luke, gospel, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 15. And it reads as follows. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And here in verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. This is God's word. Let us hear it and not only be hearers, but doers also. So again, verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, you talk about an understatement of one of the most amazing states of mind of any individual in the Bible. At this point in her life, Mary had been caught up in a whirlwind of activity of cosmic proportion. Yet, she displayed the wherewithal to gather herself together and to take time to treasure and ponder. What did she treasure? Well, Mary treasured what God treasures. And what did she ponder upon? Mary took time to ponder upon what does it mean to live out, to live out what God treasures. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And that's what I want to say to you this morning: that there are two important qualities: ponder and treasure that make up the attributes of a godly mother. You know, it requires deep pondering to understand the potential that every newborn baby represents. God designed women with the ideal constitution constitution to handle such profound truth. You know, we, we tend to think of it as a mother's intuition. You know, and I think this is that special skill that is given to mothers because they know how to ponder and to treasure. And, you know, again, I admit, I don't know a lot about women. I think you all recognize that. But when Terry speaks to me about how our boys are deep inside, I just shut up and listen. Most of the time. (laughs) Otherwise, Otherwise, at some point, I just find myself hanging my head low and just muttering something like, well, yeah, you were probably right about that. But and let me just give you guys that advice. Proceed in caution when going against a woman's vision, wisdom, especially a woman's intuition. So as we ponder Mary's story this morning, there's three areas in particular that I want to discuss, and to present that testify to the fact that she treasured in her heart those things about the life of our Lord and Savior. Well, first of all, what did Mary ponder? Well, she pondered understanding that God has a plan for each of us. Mary modeled the fact that our children are special to God. The fact that our children are to live a life for a greater purpose. The fact that our children are not our own. A little earlier, Luke in chapter 1 says, gives a very interesting scene. He says, and, and they came to hear, the angel came to hear and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 29 says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern What sort of greeting that this might be. and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Then verse 38 says, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now we are all very familiar with the miraculous circumstances surrounding Mary's situation. Indeed, Mary is unique among women. Yet, all mothers share with Mary the miracle of giving birth to another human being. Now, Mary's experience of giving birth to Christ was not without pain. As she stared into the eyes of her newborn, I am sure the joy of that precious moment swept away all the pain and concerns that she had experienced. You know, I just love to see the interaction of mothers with their newborn babes. There is not a mother who has held that precious bundle of joy in her arms, who's not pondered the future that awaits her child. And just like Mary, every woman, every mother should understand the potential that God has for every child. And I mean every child. Following the angelic proclamation, Mary begins to establish the standard we all should aspire to in regards to pondering the potential, the potential our children have in Christ. Our responsibility is to follow Mary's example of viewing motherhood, parenthood, from the standpoint of being a servant of the Lord. And Mary said, "Behold, I am the servant of the Lord; let it be to me according to your word." And you know, our children are not given to us just so that we may ooh and ah over their cute little faces. Rather, we should see them as gifts that God has given to us to steward for his purposes. We should ponder how we, early in a child's life, should begin to shape and to guide them to honor God all the days of their lives. Just like Mary, I love the story of Samuel's mother, Hannah, and her dedication of her child to God's service, even before he was born. And then Samuel would grow into one of Israel's greatest prophets, and he would serve God through leadership that was groomed by the dedication of, 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 her, of his mother to the fact that he was not her own. His destiny was to serve a greater purpose in God's kingdom. Hannah, like Mary, must have treasured up and pondered about the child that God had blessed her with. Now, there's, a, there's a, another passage in the in the, in the Bible that I'm sure this morning, once I say the reference, most of you could probably quote it verbatim. It, it, the passage is Proverbs 22.6. And what does it say? It says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, from the Hebrew family's perspective, the concept of training up a child has deep implications. Uh, The Cambridge Bible for colleges and schools helps us to really understand this implications. It says, the injunction according to his way literally means that a parent must contemplate beyond the elements of education, physical, intellectual, moral, and spiritual maturity for their child. These are broad principles that apply to each and every child. But they're only the beginning of what it means to raise them up in the way they should go. Cambridge goes on to point out the fact that parents are obligated to take these broad principles of development and tailor them into the particular character the particular personality of their child. Now, to do this, a parent must conduct a careful study of the individual character and capacity for that child. And they must do so with a thoughtful regard to the future course of that child's life. This requires pondering and treasuring. Everything a a parent should consider in regards to the godly upbringing of their child is contained within this proverb. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. His education, her physical development, their intellectual growth, moral character, spiritual maturity, all of these factors work together to produce a child who would have a positive impact on society and, more importantly, satisfy the calling God has for their life. But there's another important aspect contained in that injunction that I think mothers especially excel in. And I think that is understanding the unique personality of their child. Again, when we look back at Proverbs 22.6, I believe that God, in his divine wisdom, has created a unique profile for every child. And a key aspect of parenthood is for the parents to ponder deeply what that disposition is for the child that God has blessed them with. I call this The divine bent that each child possesses. The divine bent. Parents who are invested in discovering the divine bent that God has placed in the personality of their child help to develop people who are most fulfilled in life. Let me just say that again. Parents who are invested in discovering the divine bent that God has placed in the personality of their child help to develop people who are most fulfilled in life. What does it take to discover that divine bent? Pondering and treasuring. And that's just what Mary has modeled for us. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Pondering leads to a careful study of individual character and capacity. It is an understanding that your child is a particular case in God's eyes. It is the focus on the thoughtful regard for the future course of life that the child must gravitate towards as they mature. There's nothing happen chance in regards to understanding this expectation for parents. And again, I think God has especially equipped mothers to understand the divine bent for their children. Again, just like Hannah, Mary, before Jesus had uttered a single word, had contemplated deeply in her heart the divine call on Jesus' life, and that with a a thoughtful regard to his future life. And so it's so important for us to work through as parents and to understand deeply what God is expecting of our children. But not only did Mary understand that God has a call and a plan for each of us, she also understood that God has a time for us to release. God has a time for us to release. Now, what did Mary model for us? All right, the fact that our children are not ours to keep, the fact that our children begin to leave us the minute they are born, and the fact that our children are most fulfilled when they are free to do what God has called them to do. Brother Luke, again, gives us another interesting episode in Mary's life. Again in chapter 2, this time it's starting at verse 48. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Those are kind of famous words, aren't they? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And when he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them, his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now, As I've said earlier, there's nothing that brings joy to a mother and a family like the happiness associated with a newborn babe. What a bundle of joy. And then God plays a trick on us. Those delightful little newborns turn into two-year-olds. And then there's more. Then comes the wonderful teenage years that all parents love, right? Amen. There, but you know, there's nothing, there's nothing to test the love of a mother like dealing with a teenager who has it all figured out. Yet, in spite of all that a child does as a teenager that gets on mom's nerves, she just keeps on ticking. And that's kind of the scene we have before us this morning. Jesus is growing up, and he's starting to move into that destiny of his divine call. And Jesus, as Luke comments, increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Children grow up fast. Uh, it's a natural thing that occurs in the life of a child. And Jesus is starting to take those critical steps forward in his life. And as he does so, Mary takes the time to reflect back on what she has treasured in her heart about the nature of her precious little baby. The time for reflection over the destiny of her child is now starting to take sharper focus. And then more than any other time in her life, Mary is beginning to realize that her child simply is not hers to keep. The divine bent of Jesus' life is coming into play. He needs to be about his father's business. Now, we all need to realize that this step of transition will occur in our families as well. The truth of the matter is this, this little precious little baby was never ours to keep. And under normal circumstances, it's God's design and God's master plan that children leave the home of their birth to live out their divine bent. Now, this can be a difficult reality in some homes and for some children, especially for those who keep coming back. (laughs) We'll talk about that some other time. But in this episode in Jesus' life, Mary is reminded of that higher call that is driving the life of her child. Often, Often, letting go is a hard thing for a mother to do. Last Sunday here at West Park, we had a very special time and our service as we honored and recognized our graduating seniors. You know, it's always a special service to acknowledge that our little babies have grown up. And for Terry and I, it was especially emotional because our youngest child, our youngest son, Ethan, was in this year's graduating class. And, and now we've seen, had the privilege of seeing all each of our three boys achieve that significant milestone in our lives. And so with great, cry, great pride and, and fulfillment, we understood and understand that we have done what God has required for of us. We have prepared our sons to leave us. Ethan takes with him 19 years of intense preparation. Early on, early on, Terry and I began praying for God to reveal to us the divine bid for his life. And we have trusted that the opportunities God has given to us to work that out and to live that out in his life, that we've used those to maximum impact. And for Ethan, we have stressed to him how important it is to do well the things he hates to do as much as the things that he loves to do. We have limited the time and what he watches on television. We have limited and restricted the video games that he has access to. We have taught him that he must financially support the work of ministry. We have spoken to him about what it takes to make good friends and to be a good friend. We have demonstrated for him how important it is to value prayer, Bible study, and morning devotions. We have taught Ethan to respect his elders. And we have stressed the importance of treating all people with dignity and respect. And we have especially taught Ethan to treat all women with the highest level of regard and respect. Now Ethan knows that when it comes to whenever a mom needs a door open on a car or open to get into a building, he's going to He's going to be the first one there to make sure that door gets open. Why? Because he respects her. Because we know that he is not ours to keep and we must prepare him to leave us. And through all of this preparation, I have heavily relied on Terry's pondering of Ethan's divine bent. Hey, look, I just have to admit it. As a dad... I'm just more focused on getting things done because that's the right thing to do. You know what I mean? I don't have time for bellyaching, excuses, or anything else. Just get it done. (laughs) And then there's Terry. When I'm all bent out of shape, she is still focusing on the divine bent that only a mom can keep in perspective all of those difficult, difficult times. Why? Because that's what moms do. They have perspective. They have pondered about the treasure that each child is. Mothers are unique and gifted in this work, in this way. I just want to get things done. But Terry's focused on that divine bent. In the story we read about Jesus, he's truly the focus of the passage. But I think Mary is the real star. For it is Mary who recognizes that keeping her clo- child close to the vest would interfere with God's design for his life. Now you know, we, we live in a society that places far too much emphasis on the temporal. And there's nothing inherently wrong with wanting and desiring good things for our children. But in doing so, it is so easy for parents to lose sight of the best things. The Westminster Shorter Catechisms presents a very intriguing question. I think it's one that we should all ponder when it comes to focusing on truly the meaning of life. It's a question that I think many of you probably have heard, and it is, what is the chief end of man? Many of you probably already know the answer. And that answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Amen. Let me just say that again. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But sometimes, because of the hustle and bustle of our lives, this gold gets lost especially when training up our children. But we have to remember the divine bent. We have to remember what's truly important to accomplish in the life of a child. We must remember that we must not just focus on the praise and admiration of man, but we need to keep in mind Jesus' teaching in Matthew 16, 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul. A mother takes the time to ponder this reality, and she recognizes that if she does, she will raise a child that honors God first above all other aspirations of life. let me just say a quick word to our kids, especially our young men that are with us this morning. Ephesians uh, Ephesians 6, 1 and 2 reads, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Kids, honor your moms today. Honor your moms every day. There is no age limit to this commandment. Every day that you are blessed to have your mom with you, honor her. Honor her. Young men, here's a challenge for you. Just as I challenge Ethan, I challenge you. If there is a door to be open for your mom, beat her to it. Open it up for her. Honor her. Honor all. So finally, not only did Mary understand that God has a plan for each of us, and not only did she understand that God has a time for us to release, Mary also pondered understanding that God has a purpose in suffering. God has a purpose in suffering. So what did Mary model for us? The fact that the work God has called us to do is often difficult the fact that the word god has called us to do is sometimes not easily understood the fact that the word god has called us to do is joyous but it's not always happy dr luke again blesses us with another episode in mary's life it's in the book of acts chapter one i'm going to start at around verse 12 and it says that they returned to Jerusalem for the mount called Olivet, which is, in, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And verse 13 talks about the list of people who were gather, gathered there. And verse 14 then says, all these were with one accord, were devoted themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Now, this episode takes place in Mary's life after she had endured the horror of seeing her child suffer and die to fulfill the divine bent of his life. No mother wants to see her child suffer. And when it comes to what Jesus Christ had to endure to purchase our salvation, that's an understatement. Yet God has told us that to follow him is to accept suffering in this life. Job 14.1 says, man who is born of a woman is full of days, is few of days, excuse me, and full of trouble. Philippians 1.29 says, for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for his sake. We see in Mary's life what it takes and what it means to take the long view of life. Is it easy? Certainly not. But the fact of the matter is we live in a world that has been corrupted by sin. Sin changes everything. And it is sin that causes some children to come into this world with challenges that will be with them all the days of their lives and it is sin that even prevents some mothers from living up to the high standard that god has established for motherhood yet in christ we live with great hope we live with great hope with joyous hope and we should rejoice in the love of God for us. And as we looked at this passage of scripture in Acts, our hope, the great hope that God has given to us, sometimes is often expressed through the community of believers as a collective hope, as a collective hope. Here at West Park, one of our great aspirations is to build community among our congregations and to establish that strong sense of collective hope. It's a community that we are able to support each other when the burdens of life seem to just overwhelm us. You know, I often think of the stress and the strain that is experienced by single-parent families or families with children who have special needs our children who have lost their birth parents, our grandparents who have been forced to step in to raise a child, their grandchild, or even for families that fit the normal profile that at times life just seems to be overwhelming. For each of these challenging situations, and I'm sure that we all have faced with something similar, God has given us community. And so at West Park, we believe deeply that community is a group of disciples who are committed to experiencing life together. That's a key goal for our church. At West Park, we are in community in regards to working with each other to ensure that each child has the opportunity to live out their divine bent. In community here at West Park, we are here for each other, especially in times of great suffering and trial. Luke let us know that the disciples of Christ surrounded Mary in community. These were men and women who understood the uniqueness of the Christian community, our uniqueness, your uniqueness. They accepted their roles in forming a union that had a common goal of winning the world for Jesus Christ. And this is all done within the context of a world that doesn't always understand why we do what we do. And we do so regardless if there's great happiness or if there's great pain. We experience community in the joy of the Lord. You know, that's another interesting aspect, I think, where mothers excel. There's this interesting union of suffering and joy that comes with motherhood. You know, maybe it has to do with the suffering that a mother endures in giving birth to a child. Or maybe it comes with seeing their children struggle in life as they face difficulties. Now, Mary's heart was. Ripped from her during the passion of the Christ. And there's no doubt, if Mary could have had the opportunity to exchange Christ, exchange places with Christ, I know she would have. But that was not God's plan. And as difficult as it seems at times, we would do more harm than good if we were to interfere with God's plans for our children. What is God, God calling us to do? God is calling us just to be there. Throughout the ordeal of the Christ, Mary was there. Even after Christ had ascended into heaven, Mary is still there. Mary is still at her station. Mary is still loving her community. She now sees the greater purpose for Jesus' life, and she understands that what she has to do now is just be there. What did Pastor Sam say in his message last week? He said that some people are so focused on where they want to be that they aren't where they are. Mothers are to be where they are. To be where you are means to ponder and treasure up what God has shared with you about your purpose in life. For the church, for West Park to be there means that we must commit to developing an ever-increasing sense of community. No mother, no mother should ever walk alone. God has called us to a sense of community. Be Be there, be there, be there. So as we think again about this Mother's Day, let me leave you with this thought. There's a powerful word that God has given to mankind that has two sides to it. mentioned it earlier as we talked together, and that word is potential. Potential is a wonderful word, yet it has both a positive and negative side. On a positive side, potential is a word that is just full of hope. It examines a situation. It examines a person, in this case, and speaks to the wonderful possibilities of what lies ahead. Could you think about how Mary must have pondered on the potential of Jesus' life? Jesus was much more than just a bundle of joy. All of the potential that God had ordained to save mankind was wrapped up in him. This was God's divine plan to free each of us to become all that we were destined and are destined to become. But on the other hand, potential has a strong downside as well. It has to do with this concept of waste. To not live up to one's potential is one of the most devastating thoughts I could ever imagine. The potential that every child is born with is a terrible thing to waste. To be gifted and to fail in achieving the full impact of that giftedness is a sad thing to contemplate. Every child no matter what condition they've been born into, has the potential to achieve great things or the potential to waste a great opportunity. Every child. God has given us mothers to help us lean towards the good side of potential. Moms in their unique way, are able to nurture us with love and care that has the potential to pull out the very best in us. How? Because like Mary, mothers ponder and treasure the things in their hearts. If you would, could you just bow your heads with me right now? Pastor Doug's going to come here in a second and lead us through our closing hymn. But as he does, let me just say that this morning we have with us two types of people. Those who know Christ as their Lord and Savior and understand the potential that he has for each of you to live out that divine call on your life. And so believers this morning, I ask you to go home this, today and to ponder and to treasure that divine call God has put in your life.
1: But yet there's another
0: group that have yet to call upon Christ and to ask him into their hearts as Lord and Savior. You've yet to realize the potential, the true potential, that you have available to you in this life. And I beg and I ask of you to consider that this morning. What greater gift to God what greater acknowledgement to your mother than to come yielding to the call of Jesus Christ? If you will, the altar's always open. Or there someone that would meet you here that would gladly take you aside and talk with you about the great potential that you have in Christ? So Lord, we just thank you this morning. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for the way you love us. Thank you for mothers and that great gift that you've given to us. But, Lord, also thank you for the opportunity that each of us have this morning to come to you as Lord and Savior. We just thank you, Father. Bless us this day. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.